what are the ideal landing spots for the 2023 rookie class? Plus, what does the OBJ signing in Baltimore mean for fantasy football? All this and more on tonight's In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Because I've been in tune, out of touch, coming off the bench, trying to shake the funk, check your stat line, see who's up, that over, under, hit too clutch. And I'm trying to avoid getting carried away with the chest sweet sleeping on a trick play, predicting all of my moves like they seen every play, and so I'm running it back, head down, get out of my way, and it's for the law with only one thing to do, I guess I'll say a prayer and put it all on the line for you, but they don't. Just one thing to say, yeah, what they don't know. Something they haven't seen. I'm off that mean Joe Green. It's got me fading between. Yeah, I got it. And I got it. The In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, all right, all right. It is April 4th, 2023. The In Between Fantasy Football Podcast is back here with you, counting down the days until the NFL Draft is upon us. Today, I have hit the right intro. I did not have the correct uh, correct layout coming to the show, but we are continuing to learn and adapt with the equipment here, guys. I am Seth Wilcock, back here with you. And I'm joined by a man who's a father, a husband, a fantasy football analyst, and yes, a retired chef and an independent real estate broker all at the same time. Nate Polvo, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Dude, it hit 80 degrees here today. So it's like, <sighs> summer is back. And that means football is getting closer because it's not the cold months after the Super Bowl. Couldn't be more excited to be here, especially with our boy Skyler. 100% excited to welcome in Skyler. He's one half of the JWB fantasy football program over here on YouTube. He's a Las Vegas legend out there. How you doing tonight, man? Thanks for joining us. Oh, good. I'm glad to be here. I'm stoked to talk some football with you guys. 100%, man. How are the vibes out there in sunny Las Vegas uh, where the city never sleeps, my friend? Uh, it, you know, it definitely, it actually do, definitely does sleep out here. Man. My <laughs> only grievance is since I got here is everything closes like 10, 11 o'clock unless it's, we got a weekend day, but we got the sun back out. It is colder here than you might think. Um, because it is so dry, but we are back up, hopefully moving forward. We're back in the seventies, eighties, crawling our way up. And this time of year is really nice. So certainly no complaints from me. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it greatly. We are loaded tonight on the in-between fantasy football podcast. We have front and center OBJ, some other moves that you might've missed because I, I missed them until earlier this week when I caught back up, up with them. What do they mean for fantasy football? We're going to tell you that. Plus, we're going to get into some headline hijinks. Who are our ideal landing spots for these rookies to land? We're going to tell you that tonight. And then good news. What's the good word out there in the world? We're going to tell you just that. We're going to round things out with our giveaway. We have it here. The Keyshawn Nixon signed mini helmet. We're giving it away tonight, courtesy of our friends over at Mayfield Sports Marketing. Appreciate them. We got 1 in 15. You got a 1 in 15 chance right now to win this. Hope you guys already got in on that giveaway. Want to welcome in the IBT family. Thank you guys for joining us. 
We got Scott here in the chat tonight. Good to see you, Scott. Hope you're enjoying your week off, buddy. We got Didi in the chat. Hello, hello. Good to see you, Didi. Uh, I know you're entered in that giveaway, so excited to see if you can take it home, as well as Albert. Good evening, IBT. Good evening to you, Albert. Hope you can take it away. Always being here front and center with us, Albert. Guys, let's have a time here. Let's go ahead and jump right into it with a little bit of front and center. Sometimes taking that first step out the door is the hardest thing to do. Give it a chance, you'll be begging for more. Save the spot just for you. We're all somewhere in between. How about you come to the just place? Just try to have some fun. Ain't got to worry about not what it means. Come and give me another cause the night is young At least I so thought It's just in breaking news Front and center all right, so just when we think we figured it out in the NFL, we take a detour. OBJ certainly did that. He gets paid one year worth up to $18 million for the former New York Giant Cleveland Brown and Super Bowl champion with the Los Angeles Rams. Skyler, how do you think this uh, impacts fantasy football, man, if at all? And does this also cue that Lamar Jackson, who he was clubbing with over the weekend, um, that they're getting the band back together, heading to Baltimore for at least one more rally here? Well, all things all things from Baltimore, from we really do point that we will see Lamar Jackson back. Uh, the, you know, the whole offseason, they've just been trying to get the details of this extension worked out and whatever. Um I'd be very surprised if Lamar wasn't back. The OBJ maybe signals a little bit to that, but shout out OBJ's agent. That's the real oh, yeah. here. Uh, he got the guy at least one more payday. So good to see fantasy impact. I don't think is particularly significant. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see, you know, with the new OC coming in, the specific changes. Hopefully we won't get uh, Patrick Richard out there doing 50% plus of the snaps. <laughs> things can open up a little bit because my, my wishes for Rashad Bateman, the player everyone is asking when it comes to OBJ, is that he will be used more so in a way that appeals for fantasy more consistently. Um, you know, he was a good, not great prospect, did get that first round draft capital. I would like to see him out there not just running you know, those Nelson Aguilar routes where it's just go run a yeah. straight line, you know, 20 yards per, per target type route. So hopefully we do get to see more a more complete route tree, more a more integrated system for Rashad Bateman. Nate, how do you feel about this? Last time OBJ was in a Todd Munkin offense was in Cleveland. He was the wide receiver 25 that season, uh, averaged about 12 and a half fantasy points per game. So it wasn't off the charts. And those people who wasted a second or, or, or late first round pick that year, like myself, kind of got burned on OBJ. However, he did have over 1,000 yards. They paid him like he's the X, X receiver here. Is that what you're projecting? And are you excited for OBJ here in Baltimore? No, no, I'm not. And here's why we're talking about a guy who's had two ACL tears in what, three years, four years. That's an issue. That ACL is not going to hold up. If they give him that kind of X receiver volume, this is Rashad Bateman's offense as a wide receiver. You've got, you got Bateman, Aguilar and OBJ. OBJ fits in as the wide receiver too, I suppose. But then you've got Mark Andrews who is going and Isaiah likely who was a budding receiver last season. It's a great signing for the locker room, I suppose, because it draws Lamar Jackson back in as we've seen. But outside of that, like fantasy relevancy, I don't see it. 
I'm not going to draft him at whatever his ADP is. If he's not a free agent. Wide receiver 64 right now on NFC. No interest. That's no still, interest. I, I'll take the shot at 64, I feel like, because he's always someone who, if he does go off here, Skyler, I feel like I can pawn him off pretty easily because I'm in the camp with you guys that I don't think there is a ton of fantasy relevance. But even if he comes in, he has a couple of big games off the rip here. You're going to get some name value for OBJ. Uh, sure. That, that that's I guess where, where I stand like I, I I think Bateman needs to go take a little more slot role honestly I think he's a little bit better in the slot only took 18 slot snaps last season I think they're gonna have to move him there or the Z uh, Bateman's not playing the X he showed us last year he's not an X wide, wide receiver in this league so I, I don't mind taking the shot on either of these Ravens wide receivers they're probably gonna go somewhere in that wide receiver 40 to 60 range with the intention of moving them early in the season impact on the jets here nate i am absolutely hammering i put it out on twitter last week i'm hammering these two prop bets early in the season lazard plus 250 for 10 plus tds and then garrett wilson plus 125 for 10 plus tds how do you feel about that nate am i getting a little too aggressive with the frisky jets I think with Lazard, yes, because as we've discussed previously on this show and I've discussed on other shows, he's the dirty work guy. He's a guy who does that pass blocking and does that run blocking, which is why likely Rodgers wanted him because he knows that when Lazard's on the field, there's a level of protection he has that he doesn't have with other wide receivers. But in an offense with Garrett Wilson, that's the smart bet, the plus 125 for 10 plus TDs, because I think Garrett Wilson can get there. But we have to remember, too, Seth, that Aaron Rodgers had the slowest pace of play offense last season and in 2021. So is this going to be a team that plods down the field slowly and we don't see some of these opportunities for a guy like Garrett Wilson? It's an absolute possibility. Lazard, there's no way he gets 10 touchdowns. And I will I will put I will put money on him not hitting that prop. The reason I'm in on it and I'll, I'll leave it at this eight touchdowns last time in a Nathaniel Hackett offense. He's great in the gold zone with Hackett and that was on 60 targets. Imagine what he can do on a hundred targets. Skyler, how do you feel overall about the, the Jets wide receivers? Lazard wide receiver 55 on NFC. Are you intrigued in best ball or redraft formats for him this season? Uh, Alan Lazard's not particularly a player that I have a whole lot of interest in. I think there are worse bets to make when you're talking for double-digit touchdowns, uh, specifically because Alan Lazard is a player who's had a well above league average touchdown right his whole career. He's just Thank under you. 8% on his career, which is you know, rather impressive, and that is directly correlated to Aaron Rodgers. He's been one of his favorites in the red zone. We know Aaron Rodgers loves to throw the ball once they get close. So there are worse bets to make, but I think we kind of know what Alan Lazard is as, as a player. He's going to command maybe 14, 15% of team target share at max type of player is going to get 50, 60 targets, 500, 600 yards. I mean, 10 is a long shot. I think eight, I mean, eight is his career high. And that was a season where, um, you know, he had a, situation more similar to this one where i would expect garrett wilson to be kind of the primary target the guy getting 25 percent or more of the team targets um and then alzar will pick up what's left and you said he does the dirty work but i will be curious to see what they do with Corey davis on this team because the reason i didn't like lazard when they originally had mentioned that they were interested in signing is i'm like well what does this mean for Corey? because everything lazard does it's a lot of what Corey Davis does. You talk about the dirty work, the pass blocking, kind of that perfect, quiet second wide receiver on the outside who can also 
slide into the slot at times. Corey Davis is well there. Uh, if he's still on the team, I mean, he will be taking, he will be rotating into the slot now that Elijah is out. Um, but he could potentially take some of the opportunity away from Al Lazard as well. Corey Davis is one of those guys who's just good at real football and it will, uh, every, every single year will annoy the heck out of you when it comes to what he takes away from uh, fantasy options for us. He's yes. not one of them. I'm hoping secretly that he's dealt in this trade for Aaron Rodgers. The Packers have been rumored to be targeting Davis for a couple seasons now. Maybe it comes to fruition, opens things out up. I think Lazard could see 100 targets again. That's just my opinion. That's what he saw last season. I think there's a reason Rodgers wanted to link back up with him. But I'm excited to see it nonetheless. I'll be the high guy on, on Lazard right now. I'll keep shooting my shot. Um, it doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of competition out there for him is what I'm getting from you, Skyler and Nate here. I uh, want to welcome in a couple new people into the show tonight. Looks like we have our guy, Dave. Dave's in the chat. Good to see you, buddy. Hope you're doing well up north there. We got Brad tuning in all the way across the world. Thanks for tuning in and making us part of your Wednesday over there, Tuesday over here in the U.S., Brad. And then uh, we also got Royal Slade. Boys, sorry I'm late watching Bo and Connor. Hey, we, we appreciate it, Slade, jumping from show to show. Bo and Connor do an excellent job. The Masters, how about it? We'll talk about it more a little bit later and, and some football references that got dropped there. But some exciting times here overall at the IBT channel between our golf show, our uh, fantasy football podcast, and our NASCAR program as well. Let's move forward, though, to some other fantasy football relevant news here. Richie James signs a one-year, $1.065 million deal with the Chiefs. This is one that might have got past you over the weekend if you were paying attention to the Masters and anything else happening in the sports world. Skyler, I want to ask you, is this trouble for Sky Moore? We saw Richie James work a lot out of the slot here for the New York Giants last season. Is there a chance that he dips into what Skyler or uh, Sky Moore could be this season? I think there are a lot of people that will dip into Sky Moore's <laughs> volume, namely Sky Moore, just not really putting everything together in the way we would like. There were parts of last season where with the ball in his hands, you said, okay, that's what we saw from Sky Moore. He can make some certain plays happen. But the inconsistencies from a wide receiver standpoint, the inconsistencies as a special teamer, which is part of what elevated his draft capital, weren't coming together. Potentially a small school receiver like Sky Moore just needs a little bit more time to acclimate. But he's not somebody I am remotely interested in any uh, fantasy football format. And I will say for you best ball folks out there uh, playing your underdog drafts, I do like Richie James as one of your last few picks. He was quietly a wide receiver too from like week 11 on last year. He's he's a hard worker. He's not the most exciting player, but he was a dependable target for Brian Dable, Daniel Jones, and the Giants last year. And I think he'll, he'll pop up at times. He'll have some weeks for Kansas City. And uh, yeah, definitely not the best for the Sky Moore truthers, but basically... Uh, I think any signing is not great for this guy, more truthers, although I'm sure they could spin it another way. Nate, do you see this Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver core stacking up NVS, Kadarius Tony, and then on the inside, either Sky Moore or Richie James? How do you see it shaking out there? Well, I don't think they would have gotten Richie James if they believed in Sky Moore in that inside slot position. It's only a million, though. That's a value for a guy like Richie James. Sure, it is. But just because you got him for a value doesn't mean you're not going to plug him in. If they believed in Sky Moore, they wouldn't have spent that million dollars. Uh, and I also believe that there is a good chance that with that 31st pick, Kansas City takes a wide receiver like a Jalen Hyatt or Zay Flowers if he's around, which it's very unlikely that Zay Flowers is going to be around. Look, when it, plain and simple, unless they re-sign Tyreek Hill, 
there isn't a wide receiver in this offense I'm going to be excited about, period, because we saw it last season. Patrick Mahomes can exist with these cheap, fairly ineffective wide receivers who play a spot role once or twice during the season and feeding the ball to Travis Kelsey, who has shown absolutely no signs of slowing down. That's just how their offense works. It's Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and then bit parts who fit in well from a football sense, but from a fantasy standpoint, they just don't work. And don't get me wrong. I love Sky Moore coming out of college. I was very high out of him coming out of Western Michigan, even though he's a small school receiver. Right. But I think he's more of a bit part in this offense. I think okay. everybody, everybody thought Juju Smith Schuster was going to explode in this Kansas city offense last season. And he was like, honestly, for the most part, unreliable. And if they hold on to Jarek McKinnon, re-sign him and keep him, forget about it. These wide receivers have no value in fantasy. Oh, other than, I think other than, other than a back end best ball, like Skylar was saying, like some of these, like Richie James is a great back end best ball draft guy. But I outside might, of that, I might redraft, bite on Kadarius Tony. I might maybe. bite on Kadarius Tony boys. Like it's going to depend if he's what a the ADP round, is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think there is value here to be had when you're, I don't know. I don't know if Travis Kelsey can continue having the target share he's had. We shall see, though. Um, go ahead, Skyler. No, I will something? say, if, there, if there's one wide receiver, if you do want to take a stab on Kansas City, one wide receiver that potentially could be better than useless, it would be Kadarius Tony. Um, if he stays healthy, of course. If, if he stays yeah. healthy. But that's the biggest if. That's everything we're looking for. I will say with Richie Danes before we move on, it's only 100,000 guaranteed. Um, like, do I think it impacts if sky Moore is going to break out it's not going to be richie james holding him back i think my note on richie james is more of i've seen richie james actually put together a decent stretch and so for rounds 18 to 20 of your best ball drafts that's the that's a fine dart to throw where with sky Moore, i haven't seen a stretch like that so you're asking me you know which which i prefer if it impacts there that's just kind of where i lean on that but agree with nate 100 the only meaningful weapon you're going to get out of the offense is of course patty and travis right Okay. Appreciate the analysis there, guys. We got Bo in the chat hopping over right after his show saying Lazard sucks. <laughs> I've heard that long enough here. We got a new listener in the chat, Matt Chester. Ola, love from New Orleans. That's Matt, our boy. We, all right. All right. You're bra- oh, we yeah. Got, we got Mad the FF. Chester, baby. The, the, F, uh, the FF Buffalo bringing in his crew here. Everyone has some love for the buff. Dave shouting oh, yeah. him out and Detman appreciate all the, all the new faces here. Yeah. We, we do know Matt Chester. I, I'm not used to his, his real name. I think that's the issue there. <laughs> no, no offense. Uh, there, there, Matt, uh, everyone weighing in here on, on saying great takes Nate, um, on the situation here, Dick, he got bit by the juju expectations last season, hoping not do it again here. Brad, he's weighing in saying Kadarius Tony, every game he plays feels like five targets, two touchdowns, one torn <laughs> hamstring. Yeah, that's what you get with Kadarius Tony, guys. It like is. it is a gamble. Um, but he is gonna have some big weeks. He, he's a playmaker. We saw it there in the Super Bowl. He is a playmaker. Um, Royal saying most mid-wide receiver room ever, 100 percent Benjamin here saying as well, always here for the buff. Wow, Skyler, you got some uh, you got some loyal patrons over there, man. We appreciate them tuning in over here at IBT tonight, man. Supporting you. Shout them out. They're our guys. All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go ahead and move forward here to another signing in the NFL. Lions. They have signed Marvin Jones Jr. to an undisclosed amount. I can't. I don't know what they paid him. I don't know if they paid him in gold. I don't know if they paid him in NFTs. I have no idea what's going on with this signing. I've looked everywhere. It's been some time, and the amount's not out there. Um, however, 
Are there any fantasy football implications here, Nate? That is my question mark to you. Let's start on the line side. Obviously, we know J-Mo Williams is going to be the wide receiver one on this team, most likely. Amon Ross St. Brown, they're going to battle it out for that. Are we expecting Marvin to kind of slot into that wide receiver three role as of now? This is a locker room sighting. This is getting a veteran presence in that wide receiver room for Jamison Williams and for Amon Ra to kind of make sure that they keep on the straight and narrow, teach them the right way to approach the game, how to prepare for games and how to be in game from a fantasy standpoint, Marvin Jones is dead. Let's be honest about it. Unless you're doing a 40 round best ball draft where you can take him in the 39th round, you're not touching Marvin Jones. Okay. Uh, any uh, what about you Skyler any any love for Marvin Jones anything that it reflects either the Lions or him vacating the Jacksonville Jaguars as well seems like we have a three or four headed monster now there locked up in Jacksonville yeah I mean Jacksonville the opportunity was over he came in he served his role for sure and a team that really did need a veteran presence and he is that guy he's a good locker room guy um you know at JWB we aren't notoriously we aren't the highest on jameson williams but if i was a jameson I, williams I as well truther, yeah I'm, I'm with you if i was a jameson williams truther i might say hey maybe this signals marvin will take some of the deep balls and jameson will get more work as a true wide receiver um but i will agree with nate this is just a this is a locker room signing i'm sure he will score the uh sparing touchdown the rare <laughs> touchdown you know he's always been great in his career a guy who is excellent at the you know with his catch radius at the point of the ball in the red zone. Uh, but this is nothing for fantasy and you probably don't find the money. Cause we're talking probably a million dollars, hundred thousand guaranteed. I, I think Scott here, our co-host in the chat, he, he points it out great here. Wheels up for Kirk and Ridley. That was my takeaway for this as well. Um, I think Zay Jones will continue to be a late round guy. Obviously won't have the upside in the floor he had with Calvin Ridley entering that offense. I also love some Evan Ingram right now. He's been my yes. best ball darling so far this season at the tight end position. I'll continue to target him as well. Um, Let's go ahead and move forward to another signing or another piece of news here. And this is more dynasty, just looking down the barrel here a little bit. Tyreek Hill says he wants to retire after 2025. Skyler, can we read into this at all? Is there any, any, any realistic expectations that he could exit here in 2025? I mean, hell, his contract goes through 2026. So it was kind of a weird, a weird quote that he put out there. Um, what, what do you make of this as a dynasty manager? I'm waiting for the chat to say how much time do we got here? If <laughs> you put out yesterday, I, I didn't expect to get as passionate as it did on Tyreek Hill. So maybe I'll try to tune it down for for you today. But no, bring this, the passion. This, we need it, this, buddy. This means nothing to me. I think you know. In April, we're looking for things to get excited about on Twitter, and may, I mean, a 29 year old wide receiver speculating he may retire in three years, and people panicking off that point is an all-time low. I mean, this is a player who's been a top eight wide receiver in five and seven seasons. His only two misses. He was a wide receiver two in 2019, and then he was a wide receiver three um, a season back where he missed four games, still at over 15 points per game. I don't know exactly what we're doing here with Tyreek Hill. I mean, if he says, you know, at age 31, 32, he's ready to hang it up, then he's telling you he's you're going to get three more years of potential wide receiver one production, which I don't know what more you can want. 22 points per game does not grow on trees. Uh, so yeah, this is, this is a nothing for me. If anything, I'm really excited. It's a dynasty manager. This is a buy window. I put up a tweet yesterday just saying, Hey, shoot me some Tyreek Hill trades. You've seen get done in the last week. And, um, yeah, some of them are 
are it really uh they catch the, your eye. They're they're uninspiring. We're talking things like Goff in a two twelve, Elijah in a one twelve, Judy in a late first, and I'm I'm all bored. So if you if if someone in your league is a little nervous because of a potential three year window, we're going and we're buying Tyreek Hill. We're okay. we're buying off this news. Okay, Skyler is saying this is certified bullshit, and he's in on Tyreek Hill here, even in the dynasty formats. Love the analysis, man. Love the fire coming from you, guys. Let's go ahead and jump into our next section here. We got some headline hijinks. Talk about some of these rookie landing spots. Appreciate everyone tuning into the show tonight. If you guys are new to the channel. Easiest way to support us here, subscribe, come back, hang out with us again. Give us a thumbs up as well. Let's go ahead and jump over in some headline hijinks. All right, headline hijinks where we make some fun out of some NFL topics. Let's start here with... Nate, Nate, who is your ideal landing spot target? Someone that you said, if they end up in in this uh, in this certain situation, I'm all over them in dynasty. I'm all over them in redraft formats, best balls. You name it, you're hot for them. What's that location, my friend? Well, I'm going to go with maybe the one that's a little more off the beaten path here. I'm seeing a lot of mocks, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and you got really upset about it. Hendon Hooker at five to Seattle. My oh, why is, are you saying that again? Oh, Look, Trendon Hendon lands in Emerald City. This is the perfect situation for a guy like him, and here's why. He can sit behind Geno for two seasons. The, the talent's undeniable. His skill set fits the system. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in this draft, probably one of the most pro-ready the reason that we're not talking about him higher is because he tore his ACL and he missed last season in Tennessee. Doesn't miss the season. The guy could possibly be a Heisman candidate in 2022. But what's more important to me is that this is a the kind of guy that I think Pete Carroll wants in his system. And for as old as Pete Carroll is, mid-70s, the dude's not going anywhere. He showed no signs of being willing to leave Seattle and ownership doesn't want him to go. So who's the quarterback in this draft for the future? They can get at five that will fit in the best into their system. And it's Hendon Hooker because he could be a starter next season. If Geno Smith falters and last season was an aberration, you can be okay plugging Hendon Hooker in in week seven, eight, nine, ten. Now, he's not the sexiest, but again, he has a similar style to Smith and a similar style to when Russell Wilson was much younger. And you're getting the guy at five when realistically, if you watch tape, Dude, I know you don't like this, but if he had played last season at Tennessee, he played. He played the he played what, the full season. He no, he, played, yes, he did. Nate. He played like nine games, bro. Or ten, he like, played eleven games. Thank you. Yes, three hundred and twenty-nine pass attempts, thirty-one hundred yards. He's great. I love Hendon Hooker, Nate. But so then, what's the, twenty-seven touchdowns, two picks, four hundred and thirty rushing yards? What more do you want from a quarterback? I what think, more do you want? I, 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 if I'm and a why is he fan, climbing into the why is he... Wilson or I want Will Anderson at that pick? That's the issue. I, I think if the Seahawks want Hendon Hooker, they trade back into the second round or into the first round. He's not going to last in the second round. They're going to have to trade back to like That's the what 15th I'm to 20th pick, if, which if, they're not going to do. If Seattle's going to make that move, which first off, I will say with Hendon Hooker, a quarterback who 
the elephant in the room. He's 25 years old coming off that ACL. And you said he's got the sure. tools to potentially come in and play now. I think the team's going to come in and make a move for him. If you don't think he's going to last to a round two, I mean, the Titans are a team that makes a lot of sense. They're a pick 41. We've got Minnesota in the th early third round has a pick. Those are two landing spots where I think it'd make a lot of sense for him to potentially get work in year one. And if a team's going to trade up, like Seattle, they pick at 37. I don't think it would be... And they pick horribly, at 20. They, they have their own pick at 20 as well. True. I don't think it'd be horribly expensive for them to move them or the Colts at 35 if they sit at four and a player like Richardson is gone to move into the back end of the first and take their shot in the head and hooker. I think pick five is a... It's just a little aggressive. For me. I, sure, I, but we see how these I, drafts go. Dude, the Bears traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky. Don't forget about that. And that was a terrible all, move. Like I, I, all logic, when it comes to the NFL draft, a lot of times you see teams panic in the first round and they make a move they shouldn't have made and they reach on a player. This is a situation where I can see Seattle being afraid that there's a team that trades into the top 10 to get Hooker because they're afraid a team like Tampa Bay or a team like Minnesota is going to take him and Hendon Hooker's gone. So, And if you really want him and you don't have glaring needs that you can't address with that 20th pick, you take Hendon at five. Why not? I think the Seahawks do have glaring needs on that defensive line, and I think that's where they go at five. I think maybe they even attack it again here um, and possibly go de-tackle at that number 20 pick. However, I do love loved the pairing here. I just don't love the draft capital you're projecting here for him. And because, because I see shades of Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt in this receiving core already with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Like, I do love that. I love Pete Carroll. He's a strong off or strong coach, not offensively, but just in general. So I do like it, but I think you're on some crack. Like I will take whatever Maybe. over, I will take whatever over bet that the uh, books put out on Hen and hooker. I imagine it's probably gonna be somewhere around the pick twenties, but I'm going to take it uh, him to go somewhere later than that. So uh, Skylar, let's get off Hen and hooker here. Let's go to your first ideal landing spot. Uh, what's your headline, my friend? Let's see. My headline here is baby. Are you downs, 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 downs. Shout out Josh downs wide receiver here. Uh, headline. You want to know ideal landing spot. I think green Bay Packers use pick 45 on Josh downs. This is a player to me that makes a lot of sense. He's almost a spitting image uh, from an analytical standpoint to a player like Elijah Moore, who we really liked as a, early second round NFL draft prospect a couple of years back, a player who's been linked to Green Bay at points of his career. I think Green Bay uh, was missing a dependable target at a lot of points last season. Uh, obviously, Christian Watson came into his own and elevated to a 22, 23% team target share, but they were really missing other contributors. Uh, Romeo Dobbs was just very inconsistent, dropping balls, uh, sloppy routes. They lost Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Robert Tunyon. Um, the Amari Rogers pick from a couple years ago was an absolute yes. disaster. Oh my gosh. I, I think the Josh Downs pairs really well to Christian Watson as strictly more of, I don't think, I think the limitations for Josh Downs do stay in the slot, but he's somebody who's shown to be very electric with the ball in his hands, very capable of those underneath targets, great hands. Uh, I like this landing spot a lot for him. I think it's a wide open wide receiver room uh, where he can earn a fantasy relevant team target share right away which would be really good for him and his dynasty value uh, of course it would be coming the year after aaron Rodgers leaves but you you need someone dependable for whoever there is a quarterback to throw the ball to and i think josh Allen can be that player and we look back at recent draft classes 
uh, just like the last three years, whenever a wide receiver was drafted round one or round two to a team that doesn't have a suspected top 40 dynasty wide receiver or a top five dynasty tight end, and they don't absolutely explode as a rookie, even when they do, um, five of the seven times, because we haven't seen the four from last year, the following season, they either signed or traded for a big name wide receiver or went right back to wide receiver in round one, round two the next year. That doesn't mean the player flopped. You look back to Vonta Smith, AJ Brown mm-hmm. the next year, Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill the next year, Kadarius Tony, Wanda Robinson next year, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson the next year, Jalen Rager in 2020, Devonta Smith the next year. The only two guys who didn't really get it was Henry Ruggs and Michael Pittman Jr. Just missed out on my criteria because of Boyd. I got like Higgins and you see Jamar Chase come the next year. He didn't quite make it there. So players like Traylon Burks and Christian Watson, Wanda Robinson and Tyquan Thornton are the other names. They're a little lesser, but because we're talking Watson and Green Bay, I think there's a really solid chance that Green Bay goes right back. And early round two makes a lot of sense for a team that historically has not dipped in around one for wide receivers to go for a player. And I think Josh Downs, a player who should be available at 45, makes a whole lot of sense. And why I love this specifically is because I'm with you that I think the Packers will go defense. Brian Branch makes a lot of sense. That safety room is atrocious right now. So I think them going with that that defensive mindset in the first round And then they also might end up with another second round pick or two from the Jets when the Aaron Rodgers trade actually happens. So I don't know if it'll be 45. I don't know if it'll be one of the picks from the Jets they get. But I think Downs, this could be a good likely landing spot. It hurts a little bit for me as a someone who has a lot of Christian Watson shares and just only wants more. Nate, how how do you feel that this impacts uh, Christian Watson? I don't know that it necessarily does. Because you can have an offense where you can have two receivers who finish as wide receiver one, wide receiver two. And Downs has the talent to be that receiver. I love Romeo Dobbs, but we know what he is. He's a wide receiver three at best. best. You bring Downs into this offense for a guy like Jordan Love, who has shown flashes. We don't know what he is. We haven't seen enough of him, but we have an idea what he could be. And that the franchise believes in him enough to let go of Aaron Rodgers. And they don't want to tank. Matt LaFleur doesn't want to tank the season. They want to win. You bring in a guy like Josh Downs, he's going to be an immediate impact guy in that offense. They lost Robert Tunyon. They don't have Devontae Adams floating around anymore. They need a core of solid wide receivers for this team to succeed. Aaron Jones is getting older. A.J. Dillon is getting older. This makes sense, especially with second-round capital. If you don't have to spend that in the first round, good on them. I think that this makes a ton of sense. Buff, where would this put um, Josh Downs in your overall dynasty wide receiver rankings? Obviously, probably still after that first tier of Addison, uh, Smith Njigba, Quentin Johnson, and Zay Flowers, I imagine, right after that. Is that where you'd have him? Yeah, if we want to walk through the tiers, JSN is night and day. He's the only like true first-round graded, sure-fired first-round pick. I think Jordan Addison I have in a tier by himself as well. Signing right after 107 for you super flex guys. Uh, Quentin Johnson and Zay Flowers are my next grouping where I'm a little lower on Quentin Johnson. Day by day, it's getting lower. That's a okay. Okay. But Josh Downs would be the next wide receiver in that group for me. And I have them considerably ahead of the next names in Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, who I think are back second round type stabs for your Superflex drafts. I think Josh Downs is really comfortably an early second round pick, really comfortably. I would love it for Jordan Love and his development. 100%. I think that was a really good one to come to the table with. I'm going to go with my headline here, guys. Cougar Town Hoedown. Dalton Kincaid to the Bengals. And 
I just love like this could realistically make him in that top five discussion right away for dynasty concerns for redraft concerns. You could even put him in the top seven, top eight discussion and the Bengals, they can support a tight end here. They threw it the sixth most last season and their defense got a lot worse. They did add Sidney Jones and Nick Scott to that secondary. However, they lost Von Bell, an incredible, incredible secondary member and Jesse Bates as well. Trey Flowers, Eli Apple still undetermined where they will be here, but they are taking team or calls with other teams as well. We have some vacated targets in this offense as well. Hayden Hurst, 68. Samaj P. Ryan, 51. Joe Mixon, who knows what the hell is going to happen with this guy. He just got recharged again, allegedly, last week. He had 75 targets. Even Trent Irwin had 23. So I think the Bengals can support a top-five quarterback, and I think they'd have to spend their first-round pick to get Kincaid at this point. But I think instead of trying to revamp that defense here through the draft, I think they know they have to fight fire with fire to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Why not give Joe his own tight end that he can battle with Patrick Mahomes? How do you feel about this, Nate? I, I know you love Kincaid. Um, would you be putting him as high as I am if this is the landing spot for him? Yes, if he does land there. I mean, that sucks for Herb Smith, right? They just signed him and everybody's like, oh, Herb Smith in Cincinnati. This is going to be great. But I don't know that they take him in the first round. And they're – you're, if you want Dalton Kincaid, he's a first-round tight end. More than likely the first one off the board. He's insanely athletic. He operates mostly out of the slot. His catch radius is absolutely ridiculous. The guy just He's like a fly trap for a football. If he lands in Cincinnati, to the moon, man. Guy's a top-five tight end year one, in my opinion. I just don't know that that's where he lands. Be, and it's, it sounds stupid because Irv Smith is Irv Smith. But they just brought in Irv Smith. I don't feel like if they were planning on bringing going first round tight end, they would have brought in a guy like Irv. You gotta have depth, man. But Irv Smith is in depth. Depth Irv Smith is depth. Irv Smith is depth. I don't know that he is. Aiden Hurst is a better tight end than Irv Smith. Irv Smith has done nothing in his career. Let's not. Let's not. There are people who would fight you over that. I don't disagree. That's fine. I'm not hanging on to 2018 Alabama tape anymore. So I'm moving. (laughs) I'm moving forward here. Buff, how do you see this shaking out? Because obviously Kincaid's a little bit raw here, especially for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. He, he can't block worth a damn, but he did have that 34.1 college dominator rating. Dude was unguardable versus USC, 16 receptions, 234 yards and a touchdown, and showed up against Oregon as well, 11 for 99. This guy shows up in big spots, and I think he can play and make an immediate impact with the Bengals. Do you agree with me? Listen, you stole a little bit of my thunder here. I went a different direction with a tight end we'll get to a little bit later where Cincinnati might have been my spot for that player where I think Kincaid might find better opportunity elsewhere, right? With tight ends, we really want to see a few things. We want to see the ability in year one to get the volume. Go back and look at the team target share splits last year. I mean, you got Tyler Boyd, what, like somewhere 16%, and you've got Hayden Hurst was like 11, and then you've obviously got Higgins and Chase commanding 20-plus. There's just a lot of ways to go around. So I don't know if the opportunity for the targets we want to translate sit there right away for Dalton Kincaid. Um, But, you know, certainly there is long-term implications in Cincinnati that gets me really excited for a tight end. Specifically, we don't know how they're going to handle their upcoming contracts. Obviously, Joe Burrow is the first one we we anticipate to get done. That's coming right away. It's going to set the market for next year's group of quarterbacks, which, by the way, is a big one, right? But we've got 
T. Higgins coming off contract. And don't forget, we got Jamar Chase the following year is going to want his fat extension. You know, Tower Boyd isn't free, right? He loves being that third guy in this room until he has to take a pay cut. So for a tight end coming in, who especially it would have to be in the first round, to get that fifth year and be locked into there, it could look a little different in Cincinnati over the next couple seasons. And then we might be looking at a guy who could potentially be the second target earner on his team or the third target earner on his team. Because uh, really, you do need to be second in targets or just catch a whole bunch of touchdowns. It's, it's got to be one or the other. I'm, I'm going to follow the tea leaves here. I, I think the Bengals will, whether it's Mayer or whether it's Kincaid, I think they will target a tight end, whether they'll, they'll fall to them. Draft to do it. Yeah, whether they'll fall to them or not, I'm not 100% sure. But Adam Pacman Jones, he's very plugged in that Bengals organization. And he's been spewing on a couple shows that he thinks they're going tight end as well. So I'm going to continue to follow those tea leaves here. In the chat, they're weighing in. Dick, Dick Sickles saying, I don't know, man, with the amount of production Hayden Hurst had, I'm not sure I'd be psyched for Kincaid to go there. But it is Hayden Hurst. I think there's a little bit of a difference. Um, I think he'll be a little more, bit more efficient, can, can stretch those yards out a little bit more. And I think P. Ryan exiting um, as well could be a factor. And we don't know how how long Tyler Boyd's going to be around either. Um, we, we got Detman saying, ha 2018 Bama tape. That's great. Hey, man, I, I don't live in the past here. Uh, we live in the moment here in between media, baby. Uh, Scott showing a little bit of love to Darnell Washington. Dave asking Chargers. So this was my other – I would love this landing spot as well for him. Chargers would be great. However, I just need to see what happens with the Keenan Allen situation. I, I still think that they could go with a wide receiver. Maybe Jackson Smith, if he falls there, I think I don't think he will. Um, or even Quentin Johnson, someone of that nature. So um, that's my take here on Kincaid. Guys, let's move forward here. Um, I'm going to throw it back to you, Buff. Who is your next uh, ideal landing spot for a rookie, my friend? All right. My headline here was Atlanta getting Izzy with it. In round three, the Atlanta Falcons used pick 75 on Israel Abanaconda. I think Abanaconda's medium outcomes show bursts of Tevin Coleman on a Frank Cable bell cow workload for a run-happy Falcons squad. This landing spot really excite me, mainly because we'd get that day two draft capital for Izzy, our boy over here at WB, and we would love to see that. This is a player who showed speed, home run ability, um, you know, and the size, it all came together. His, he impressed at his pro days. It's a player that I'm very excited for. Uh, I think he compliments Tyra Algier very, very well. Uh, Arthur Smith's favorite meatball, who found himself an effective pounder on the tail end of last season. Yes. And Cordero Patterson took an obvious step back. So I think Israel Benaconda, who's, you know, going to find himself in a committee, Atlanta would be one of the best spots for him to go where I think he could earn a bigger role in year one really show out and that route that day two capital is going to separate a lot of backs in a draft class that i think is talented although not elite where half of them are going to get thanos snapped because opportunity is key for these running backs and day two is a huge indicator for us and quadri olson they drafted out of pit a couple years ago as well so they have gone to that well with the pit running backs before maybe they had back there I like this call here, Buff, and I'll tell you why. The Falcons, they just traded for Jeff Okuda recently as well. They've built up that defensive line. They've built up the offensive line. They're trying to win by pounding the ball and playing smart defense. So whether you believe they're going to use that number nine overall pick on Bijan or whether you think they're going to do it later rounds here with a guy like Izzy, I like to play. Nate, any thoughts on, on the man out of Pittsburgh here? He's become one of my new favorites, and he's climbing everyone's draft board. <clears throat> if they can get him in the third round, absolute steal for this team. I don't know that he'll still be there, but again, sometimes we're higher on players than 
the NFL consensus is if he lands on this Arthur Smith offense, if you're a Tyler Algier manager, you can't be super happy about it. But if you're someone who snagged Bonaconda in a rookie draft prior to the draft, you're going to be stoked because he's going to see volume. And like you said, Skyler, we watched Cordero Patterson fade. This is a guy who's going to be a non-factor for this team in 2023. If he's on the roster, fantasy non-factor. Do you, do you want, do you want court? If, if they bring in a Bonaconda and they've got Tyler Algier, who towards the end of the season showed he can be the guy in this offense if they need him to be with volume, why would you be interested in Cordell Patterson? They clearly signaled they're not interested in a heavy workload for a guy who's going to be, what, 34 years old going into this season. This is a great landing spot for him. His skill set fits well in this offense. He can be somebody who bails out Desmond Ritter, which God knows why they've decided to go with him. It'll be Taylor Heineke by week eight more than likely, which oh, is even you're better hard. for a body. You're, you're throwing shade on Ritter and Patterson. Jesus. And and Arthur Smith. <laughs> I just, here's the thing. This Atlanta team has been one of the most active in free agency, which good for them. They've got, their defense has gotten considerably better. They've improved their offensive line. A Bonaconda could be a, a running back two in this offense. I think he could be a back end RB two his rookie season in Atlanta He'll see enough usage. It really dings Tyler Algier, but a Bonacano would be great for this offense. And he might be the reason that Desmond Ritter actually stays on the field. If a Bonaconda does go here, Buff, where do you rank him uh, in regards to Tyler Algier? Algier had a great rookie season, but he never looked sexy doing it. He just looked like a guy who continued to put his head down and churn out yards, but it wasn't anything spectacular by any means. Yeah, so Tyler Algier is a player that we didn't like love him. Nothing jumps off the page, but him and a player like Brian Robinson, we were looking at prospects last year. These are bodies that old school NFL coaches just like. They're meatballs. They're big guys. They can handle a workload. They're not great at anything, but they're good enough at everything. Perfect to go in there and give them 20, 20 touches if you have to. Perfect to work as part of a committee. That's where I think Tyler Algier falls in here. If I'm a Tyler Algier manager, I don't think any round three back really like ruins what I think I had with Tyler's year because I think we know what we have. We have that big body who can capable of handing, handling a workload. If given to him, it's going to be, you know, relatively effective. I would have liked to have seen more targets go his way in first year, which doesn't seem like something they're going. Um, so I think a compliment with a player like a kind of going there would make a lot of sense. Again, Algier doesn't have the speed that Izzy has, especially given Izzy's size. As I said, it's like a spitting image of Tevin Coleman, except Tevin Coleman, you know, his BMI was like a 28. We've got our yeah. BMI over 30 with Izzy, that mark we do like to see. So I, I'm really excited. You asked where in terms of rookie picks. I'm right there around my RB4-5. We're going to have to see where landing spots go, but that's where I have him right now. And where, you know, he might not be the most aspiring player in terms of vision i think all the other physical skills are there if you want to go back look at some of his sides he had a five touchdown game last year which was one of the most fun things to watch home run ability is there so give this guy some opportunity i think he's gonna surprise a lot of people i'd have i'd be taking him right after that josh downs territory so early second honestly if he is if he goes day three especially with a place like atlanta 203, 204. I'm going to be hammering Izzy Abanaconda there. And right now, you can get him at the 2 3 turn and a lot of leagues that where he's being overlooked, he goes later into the third. So if you're drafting early, really go target this guy. Appreciate it. P- appreciate it. Great advice there, Buff. Nate, I want to move to you here. Who is your next ideal landing spot and where do you have him adding? So 
I think we're going to go fly Bijan fly. And why fly Bijan fly? Because Bijan is going to be a Philadelphia Eagle. This is a team that doesn't have a ton of needs. They've got that 10th pick. They got rid of Miles Sanders. Kenneth Gainwell is not the guy. We know that. He's a nice complimentary piece to whoever their lead back is. They haven't made a lot of moves in free agency to try and change anything. Seriously, what is their other need? Their defense is solid. Their offensive line is solid. Their wide receiver. I think they. I think they could add another defensive lineman. They did just lose Hargrave. They do. They do have Jordan Davis waiting, waiting in the wings. Sure. I think if it's not him, it's Jalen Carter if he's there. But I think they'd have to move up to get Carter. I think they would have to move up to get Carter as well. I've seen him mocked six five going to Arizona if Arizona trades that third pick back into like the seventh eighth pick maybe to the Raiders if the Raiders can get a quarterback. But Bijan makes sense to me because you add that talent to this offense, and who's going to stop you? What, what was their what was their weakness in the Super Bowl? They couldn't get a running game going outside of Jalen Hurts, and then the Kansas City defense, which really wasn't great last season, could focus on Jalen Hurts if there was a running down. Miles Sanders wasn't super effective in the Super Bowl, more effective in the playoffs. But you add a talent like Bijan, and not only is he a great rushing back, but he's a great receiving back as well. I like it. This is this is a dynamic that this offense, dude. That if they get Bijan, this is the best team in the NFC, and it's not a question. I, I think. I think, they, I think they already are. Uh, they already yeah. are. But this is this puts them over the top. This is an over the top move. And if you're Howie Roseman, you're looking at this saying, "I can get a generational running back." And yes, I'm going to use the words "generational running back" with the tenth pick in the draft after we just went to the Super Bowl. Forget about it. You do it. Buff, I want to ask you, where would you rank him among redraft running backs? Obviously, we have CMC, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Austin Eckler kind of make up that top tier for me. Would you slide in Bijan after that if he did land in Philly? Because you have to keep in mind, they do have this this goal line bullshit they keep doing that they're allowed to do again this season where it's going to be another 10 touchdowns probably on the ground for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, um... My, my, my thing here, right, for, for fantasy, you're talking specifically for Philadelphia. Correct. I'll start by saying I don't think there is a bad spot for Bijan to go. This talent is going to shine no matter where he goes. But if we are talking absolute ceiling, I'd prefer it not to be a team, specifically Philadelphia, Buffalo, Chicago, that has a quarterback that could give you, realistically, 10 rushing touchdowns. You see you know, 30% of the red zone touches there for Jalen Hurts, 20% to Justin Fields. It's just, you know... We we're shooting for, you know, the 15 plus touchdowns, and that's potentially not there for Philadelphia, but it could be. I still love B. John Robinson. I think he'll be going. I'll be taking him in the if he's there in the second round of redraft, I'm gonna be hammering it. Honestly, depending where he goes, he'll probably end up in my first round. You mentioned Brees Hall. I'll have him confidently above Brees Hall no matter where he goes. Because with Brees, as much as I love Brees, he's one of my favorite players right now. We have to have some concern with him coming back off this injury with yeah. what kind of a season we get in 2023. Long-term, don't care. He's still my RB2 in Dynasty. But for next season, unless you think he's coming back, like there's going to be one manager league who remembers Adrian Peterson or a Jamal Charles season where they came right back. And um, there's not a lot of guys who have come back the season after the ACL and given you the, the ceiling you're hoping for when you take Brees Hall in the first or second round. Um, we'll get off Brees and talk Bijan. Yeah, I'm, this this is a very exciting player. There's very little spots you could have said he'd go where I'd I get really upset. 
at it. I just want to push a little bit of a wet towel on the yeah. Philadelphia landing spot here because with Jalen Hurts and what he's capable of in the red zone, there's potential limitations there. But I don't really care. I'm just happy no one brought up Rashad Penny. This isn't a player that matters to me. <laughs> lightest. So that's well, all right. To your point, Skyler, if you're Robert Sala, Robert Sala, if you want to – lessen your quarter don't you want to lessen your quarterback's goal line work to save their knees to save their body to prevent them from injury if you can get a guy like Bijan when you don't have any other real major needs in the first round and you have two picks so you can address if you do have a need that you can address the back end of the first round you do that and you get a guy that can lessen your quarterback's goal line rushing load because it's gonna it's all it's going to do is keep Jalen Hurts on the field longer and for more years in this offense and probably keep him happier. Cause I'm sure I wouldn't love that. I wouldn't love getting shoved by three guys across the goal line into this massive pile. It can't feel good. You can save your quarterback's body. I think it's worse for Jason Kelsey who has to endure the load load of it, honestly. (laughs) So uh, I like that call out, Nate. I'm going to go ahead and move forward with my headline here for one of my ideal landing spots. I'm going to go with none other than Zay Flowers. Flowers finds wings in the city of trees. And suddenly, guys, there's some question marks in Buffalo that we have to address. Stephon Diggs starting on his shit again. Does he want out? We don't know. He's sending some cryptic messages out. Gabe Davis, is he a wide receiver too? I don't think so. I think we learned that in 2022. And will they ever have an elite running back in Buffalo? So many questions all of a sudden up there. Nobody on this team had over 50 receptions last year except for Stephon Diggs. Hell, Cole Beasley was playing meaningful minutes after retiring after a couple practices with the Buccaneers earlier in the season. Zay Flowers can play inside, outside, and I kind of compared him to Heinz Ward. He's a jack of all, a master of none. He he can get the contested catches. He's great at yak, changing the gears. He's a route technician. I also think he does have a little like ASRB tendencies with that that Heinz Ward comp as well. Um, But talk about a guy who has never played with a decent quarterback in his entire college career, and now he could be going to one of the best in the NFL um, I would love Zay Flowers as a high-end wide receiver three in year number one if Buffalo was the landing spot. That's why I took the Bills here. Uh, Buff, any any uh, thoughts here on uh, your home people? So they did recently, Brandon Bean said that they, they have eyes on moving up in the draft to get a weapon to help Josh Allen, and that's really exciting. I think for fantasy, um, that would be really great, as you said, especially for dynasty Stephon Diggs isn't getting any younger. You know, he's 29 years old. Um, Of course, there's always rumblings of how content he is at points in his career, which I think is completely fair if you think of your own self and your work environments. Um, So I would be excited. I think Zay Flowers would be a good fit. It'd be speed. One thing Buffalo really wanted, they showed us this with the James Cook pick and their utilization of Isaiah McKenzie more early last season. They need speed in this offense. They wanted to compete with Kansas City, who at the time had Tyreek Hill. And Zay Flowers would be a player who offers that and can go into the slot. Buffalo, of course, Brian Dave was a big part. It's a team that has, since they got Josh Allen, targeted that slot more than anyone else in the NFL. And he can also play outside. So in two wide receiver sets, he can go outside three. You can bring Gabe in, shoot him long, and Zay can slide in the slot. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's a really good call. It's tough because Buffalo, they need, probably could use a right tackle. Spencer Brown hasn't been fantastic. Linebacker depth, secondary depth, and the wide yes. receiver the team needs. The problem when you consistently pick like they have in the last few seasons at the end of the first round is 
the linebackers you're getting, the linemen that are available, the secondary guys available aren't surefire prospects. And for a team that has title aspirations, they may look at a player they think could have more of that immediate impact and an offensive player at that spot makes a lot of sense. So they haven't done it yet. Brandon Bean hasn't done it yet, but this might be the first time they're a little more on the hot seat. So I could see them actually having some truth behind that statement, moving up potential to lock in one of these names. And I think Zay Flowers is a really good choice. Thank you. Yeah, he, he's right now like my wide receiver three. I am just above Jordan Addison uh, a little bit. Nate, any final thoughts here on uh, Mr. Flowers and what it would mean for Josh Allen? Well, I think it would change how we look at this Buffalo offense if they got a guy like Zay Flowers. I'm not saying he's Tyreek Hill, but I'm saying that he at times looks like Tyreek Hill. He's got that speed. He's got that versatility. He does well in traffic. He creates a lot of separation for his size. This would be a great landing spot for him, honestly. And it would probably move him up in my wide receiver rankings, rookie rankings, if he does land in Buffalo. Because, I mean, again, he's a built-in wide receiver, too, if Stephon Diggs sticks around. Because we can, can we stop loving Gabe Davis, please? Like, he's not a wide receiver, too, Seth. Like you said, he's just not. Zay Flowers lands on this team. He's the wide receiver, too. All right. Buff, go ahead and round it out with uh, your final ideal landing spot for us, man. All right. We put the headline as someone tell Jerry there's a new mayor in town, and that is for Michael Mayer. Um, at pick 26, which I think is right in the range he's going to go, we were talking Cincinnati earlier, where if they went a different direction, I think Dallas would be very content splashing here. Uh, an offensive player going to Dallas in the end of the first round or the mid-first round. It fits right in with decisions they've made in the past. Obviously, we've got Dalton Schultz leaving in free agency for what was a surprisingly small one-year deal, $9 million for wow. Houston Texans. Uh, after what I thought was a good season, obviously he missed yeah. some time with injury, and that affected, unfortunately, a lot of his production that could have helped him in contract negotiations. After an offseason where he declined uh, an extension that was more generous, of course, than the one year he got. So Dallas used... The, free, the franchise tag on Tony Pollard, keeping him in town on an affordable deal, which let Dalton walk. Uh, with their offense changing, Kellen Moore out of town, I think Michael Mayer's versatility in both the run game and the passing game could make a lot of sense for them. Is it a dependable safety target for Dak Prescott, a guy who could get peppered with a lot of targets in this offense, could be the one of the main red zone threats. Obviously, we don't have a Ezekiel Elliott type back who could be their main red zone fo focal point at this point of the offseason, but I do anticipate that they will either take a day three stab somewhere and or I wouldn't rule out Zeke going back to Dallas actually okay. on a one-year deal. I think you know it was strictly business the way he left the team. Jerry's very invested. Getting him back on would help cover medical. It would, you know, he still has something that they need. He offers a role for this team in both leadership. He knows the team in and out. And I think he's still as good as anyone. If you give him the ball with one yard to go, uh, right. he can punch it through. So Just not playing center, right? Just not playing center. Absolutely not. That's a rough last snap to end on. But I like Michael Mayer in Dallas. I think it's a good spot. The other shouts would, of course, be Cincinnati. Or Green Bay, a spot where he could go and, like we were saying for Downs, get maybe 20% of these team targets in year one, which is one of those things that we said we want for tight ends if we want to see them show out earlier on in their career. Yep, I love it. And I think, honestly, he probably would be the number two or three target in this offense. I, I don't know how much Brandon Cooks has left in the tank. He always surprises us. So 
probably more more targets for Brandon Cooks, but I, I think he'd be right in that, you know, somewhere between 75 and, and 90 targets as a rookie. Um, so I like that landing spot there. Guys, let's go ahead and round out tonight's show with a little bit of good vibes and good news. All right, good news here. Uh, I want to start with my headline, guys, because it was such a fun Masters weekend. John Rom took home the championship trophy, and he called out Zach Ertz in his uh, his championship press conference, saying that Zach had sent him a text saying, "Oh, you know, good luck out there, bud. You know, uh, consider it playing against me and JJ Watt." And that that first green is looking real nice. And anyone who watched the Masters Thursday morning. They saw John Rom get off to a double bogey three putt um, that that first hole, and then Rom comes all the way back. So this was just a feel good story that like you're seeing JJ Watt, Zach Ertz, the Arizona Cardinals core kind of uh, or former core down here budding with uh, with John Rom. It's just a cool story, man. Rom's a super likable guy. Both Ertz and JJ Watt are two of the more likable guys in the NFL, in my opinion, as well. So uh, it's kind of cool to see this friendship between the different sports. And uh, overall, I love the Masters. Buff, I don't know if you follow golf at all or uh, if you follow this story, but any thoughts here on it? Yeah, it's it's cool to see something shout out like that. Good for John Rahm stepping up. I know he was down going in uh, earlier in the week, so good mm-hmm. for him to, to crawl back. He's always been a favorite of mine when it comes to these type of competitions. Obviously, he's been a favorite in recent years, but like whenever we would do golf drafts or something, I'd always pick his Rom there. It's one of the names I know. I'm the biggest golf guy. I do through work have to pay attention uh, to golf to an extent. So, yeah, cool to see. Nate, uh, what was your takeaway away from? Uh, and who do you think would win in a, in a golf game, Zach Ertz or JJ Watt? I feel like it would be JJ Watt just because he's hammering them just because he could probably yeah. put them down three fifty straight bombs. Dude. <laughs> the only thing I have going for, I have two things going for me in golf. I can hit the ball really, really far off the tee and I'm good at putting my mid game sucks, but I beat people because of those 300 yard drives. Dude, he can bomb. He'd be beaters. Plus I just love JJ Watt. So Ert- I'm always going to win. Okay. All right. All right. We're, we're getting here first, guys. Uh, Nate, go ahead with, with your good news headline of the week, my friend. So this one isn't sports. I'm sorry, Seth. I tried, but it is kind of sports. So a colorful Mumbai overpass goes viral after being converted into a sporting complex for the community. And essentially what happened was people saw these kids setting up their own little like sports sections, sports fields underneath this overpass. So the city came in and they made it super colorful and they converted it permanently to a sports complex. They have yoga, they have a skating rink, they have tennis courts, they have a gated cricket pitch. It's a safe place for the kids of the city of Mumbai, which is a massively populated city to have a safe space. And it's under a highway, it's unused space. And look it up on the good news network. It's really cool. They've got basketball courts and it's just such a neat thing to do for a community with unused space. I would say I wish we saw more of that here. What country is Mumbai in? Dubai. Dubai. Okay. Leave. Gotcha. Okay. I was, I I know a lot about geography and I can't remember now. (laughs) 
Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, dude, I, yeah, I 100% wish yeah. that there's so much unused space here in the U.S. that we could see more of this uh, type of stuff go on. So, yeah, hats off to the Mumbai folks over there doing a little bit of good for the community here. We appreciate that over here at IBT. Uh, Buff, take us home, man. What is your good news headline of the week, my friend? Yeah, I mean, this is a way back. I'm not an avid reader of news on my free time, so I didn't have something, you know, that was the most recent. But I thought, you know what? Let's go back and use Calvin Ridley's A Letter to the Game, his tribute, where he talked about everything that was going on in his personal life around the times of his suspension. And I'll use that as an example to remind people that these these players are people too. I alluded to a little bit past when we were talking with Stefan Diggs, where he gets he gets a lot of attention for whenever he doesn't seem the most pleased in the media. And I think it's because he's an easy target. Odell Beckham Jr. is another guy that comes to, to mind when people talk about locker room cancers. And I think it's, 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 it's just a narrative with a lot of these guys. You got to know that they're real people too. They got a lot going on. And in Calvin Ridley's situation, if you go back and give it a read, yeah, these are things when you read, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Those are real people problems. Those are real world problems. It's, I feel for Calvin Ridley, and a lot of times that's how you should start when you see players either taking a step back or maybe you know there seems to be some off-the-field issues or maybe their play isn't up to standards. you got to think, well, they could just be going through it. There could be some things going on. Let's have some patience and remember that you know they, they are their people too. So that's just something I think we forget about a lot. People, people dogging on players. I mean, the jokes are all fun and games, right? If, if Calvin really did what he did and you can make some jokes about it, that's fun. But when it gets personal, I think that's where people start to cross the line. Dude, 100%. I appreciate you shouting this out. We spoke a little bit earlier this season on the show about this, and I don't think it can ever get enough press, to be honest with you, because – what Calvin Ridley did to come out and share some of his insecurities and just be authentic with the viewers, I, I mean, that's something I'm always going to preach for. And it made me heck of a, you know, heck of a fan. I already love the guy and just to see what he's been going through off the field and to share, um, you know, all, all, all the issues that all of us struggle with, you know, all of us struggle to some degree and to know professional athlete does, does really humanize the game, especially in this fantasy football world where we do for a living have to be subjective and critique these guys based on their performance. So love that. Nate, any final thoughts here on Calvin Ridley? I couldn't have loved that article more. And Skylar, what you said is perfect. Like, I, I think my biggest takeaway was you never know what somebody's going through. And we all had so much judgment for, him betting because that was all we knew initially was, Oh, he was betting on football. You dipshit. Dude, have you never heard of Pete Rose? Like, what are you doing? But you look at the whole body of what happened and it's important to remember they're people just like us. And just because they have a higher social status or they're making more money, it doesn't change the fact that they go through real human things. And I love it. I, I love that you brought this back into all of our attention. Yeah, 100%. Guys, uh, that great episode. We're going to go ahead and round things out with our giveaway. We've been teasing it for a couple of months here. And I just really want to appreciate the IBT family, man. Like, we've had some tremendous growth here this offseason. It's because of you guys doing the simple things, tuning in, commenting on videos, uh, sharing videos, just showing up, hitting the like button. Like, it really does go a long way. So thank you, guys. This is our first way of trying to give back a little bit. And we're going to continue to have more giveaways as we can here. 
um, throughout the, the fantasy football season. So this is for the Keyshawn Nixon giveaway. We have a mixture of people here. Some of these are some of those uh, those headhunters out there on the internet. They heard giveaway. They heard Packers. Um, we didn't know them before they entered the giveaway, but they're here with the IBT family now. So we're going to go ahead and give it away. We also have a, a lot of the members that tune in weekly here that we appreciate. People like Didi, uh, Toronto, Dave. Um, oh, 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 geez. I got Toronto Dave in there twice. Got Toronto Dave in there twice. You guys seeing that? Toronto Dave's in there twice. We got to take one out. out oh, geez. Of... He's just that special, man. Shout he, out Toronto. It's Dave. true. Dave is yeah, yeah, on, the best. Honestly, we could have, we could have left Toronto Dave in there, in there twice and it would have been okay. Albert, Tim Wright, Wendy, we appreciate all you guys. We're going to go ahead and hit this wheel, guys, and uh, see who is going to take home this Keyshawn Nixon helmet giveaway. Daniel, Daniel. Brad's fellow Aussie. You got to love it. Daniel O'Connell. I think he is a Packers fan as well. So congratulations to you, Daniel. I'll make sure I get that over to you as soon as I can. Um, If you guys want to enter in future giveaways, make sure you guys are subscribed to the channel and we'll come back and hang out all off season long. We got NASCAR content. PGA content, of course, the Fantasy Football Podcast every Tuesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Buff, thank you so much for joining us. But before we let you go, please tell us one more time how our audience can best support you, my friend. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This is a great time. I'd love to come back anytime. We got to get you guys back over on the Dynasty Digest. My baby over here with JWB. You can follow all things JWB at JWB underscore FF on Twitter. Uh, Go there. You'll find our whole team and uh, everything good we have. We'll we'll plug it over there. So you can come find us over there at JWB underscore FF um, at BFF Buffalo. There we go. All right. Well, we appreciate it, man. Everyone, have a great rest of your spring week and weekend. Make the most of it. Get outside. Have some fun. Maybe crack open a cold one or two. Uh, We'll see you next Tuesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Until then, guys, you know what to do and keep it in between. We'll be right back.